Come One and Come All and hear the wonderful tales of Evermore, welcome to World Talkers, an unofficial Evermore fancast. Stay a while and listen to stories of valor, mystery, and romance. Hear ye, hear ye, this adventure begins now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Evermore World Talkers. We're going to change our title, boys. Yeah, I didn't tell you, but we're changing it. And uh, also, I want to let you know. Like, we have a logo and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's well designed. We have social media pages. I don't think we can do that, Wyatt. We've done like 12 episodes so far. Hey, I just want to remind you that troll value is respect, and you're not respecting my decision to change everything. I'm Wyatt. I'm your troll best friend, and... I'm going to uh, let everyone else introduce themselves in troll values. I'm Chandler, and I just really want to say that I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the troll value 168, and that's reach across this table and smack wide in the face real hard. <laughs> <laughs> but that wouldn't be respectful. That wouldn't be very respectful. Yeah, I'm asking him to respect me. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> well, I've put a lot of work into editing this. We've got to change our theme song. We've got to change our uh, Instagram. We've got to change our logo. It'll be so much better. So this is the this is the hosts we have here. And, and, and yeah, that's me, Skylar, reaching across the table to smack white. Ow. He didn't hit me. I'm letting everyone know he didn't hit me. But we have a very special troll with us. Thank you. My name is Lisa. Ah, troll value number five is kindness, and I really appreciate you being so kind for me. Thank you. Lisa is joining us for the very first time. She's actually part of our creative team. She takes all of those lovely pictures that you see on Instagram. Oh, that's She so makes good. us look real good. <laughs> yeah. One of them is my dating profile pic, just letting you guys know. Just, just putting that out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all the ladies love it. So welcome, Lisa. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thanks, thanks. So happy to be here. Love this. So Lisa joins us all the time at Evermore, and she's actually quite astute, and she knows a lot. So she's going to be helping us out today while Dan is not with us today. And we're going to miss you. We miss you, Dan. We're going to miss miss you, Dan. Yeah, but we're also really excited to have Lisa, so. All right. So what is this (laughs) voice, though, like? This is the, the troll voice, of course. The yeah. trolls that are at Evermore, yeah. they talk like this. Have, um, have you not talked to the trolls before? I have, but I've recently discovered that Wyatt has not. It's a large park, okay? Maybe Wyatt doesn't go to that park sometimes. Maybe. <laughs> sometimes he's busy at the archery range, dousing on all them haters. Maybe you need to take a walk across a, a scary bridge. I do. Make sure to take some high knees. I should, yeah. I should, but... That's not what we're talking about today. Oh. Because today, for all of you lovely listeners, we are going to be talking about the Mythos story. Now, this is the story so far. And we do this because when we were talking to some people in the park that happened to listen to our podcast, shout out to all you folks, um, some, some of us were sad that we weren't able to come to the park every single time and be updated on the story. So we wanted to update you guys as much as we knew and as much as the story has been revealed so far Again, these are spoilers. These are things that we are going to be revealing that if you wanted to learn organically, maybe don't listen to this episode and then come to the park and listen later and see what you missed. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess troll value number, uh, I don't know how high they go. I don't remember. <laughs> so like, number 40 on the list. <laughs> all right. So like number 62 is don't, don't listen if you don't want spoilers. 
And we are going to watch ourselves as we are talking because we don't want to spoil everything. So this is going to contain a lot of key points and a lot of things that we still are trying to figure out ourselves because we don't know everything. Yeah, absolutely. There is a ton of stuff going on right now. And so even just as hitting those key points is trying to get you just a general gist of what is going on overall. Right, right. We don't want to reveal all of our secrets. Wait, you have secrets? I have secrets. We have good secrets. This is the podcast. You're supposed to tell me secrets, Wyatt. (laughs) Um, So what was the first thing that happened at Myth House? The very first thing. I mean, it opened. We waited. 10 points for Skylar. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. The very first thing was that we waited in line for an extra four hours because Skylar was so anxious to get there. All right. (laughs) Good call, Lisa. All right. (laughs) That's why she's on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I see how this is. This is going to be a Skylar down on Skylar one. It's okay. Uh, It's probably well deserved in regards to waiting in line for four hours. (laughs) Sorry. So the portal opened, and with the portal opening, we got some new characters and some new factions. We kind of already talked about a few of them, so this particular subject, just the portal opening, we're probably going to breeze through, because most of you probably already know this. The portal opened. Mythos is a brand new world that's outside of our own. It's being introduced into our world. It's a luscious, beautiful, green spring kind of world filled with fairies, elves, and wacky doodle sorts of people um some of those people that we love and love to talk to are rooster who is the merchant peddler trader he's a legitimate businessman and i need you to phrase it that way please he's a legitimate businessman and i apologize kind of <laughs> to you, also are we using his full name he has a full name yes dr professor rooster ray oh oh close what is it I rooster don't, ray i don't i don't know i don't remember it either dr professor reginald rooster reginald rooster ray is the third and then sometimes like another title is mixed in there yeah. esquire or esquire. <laughs> he rooster for short uh and then we've got the elves that came over they are the part of the rangers faction and some of them have some really good stories and then we have fairies some of them came over from lore we saw some familiar faces but most of them are pretty brand new yeah as always as a new as a new season begins um we do get the returning characters and we also get some new ones i don't believe rooster is actually from mythos but he has come into town just kind of as this whole thing is is happening right yeah and then we had the fairies that were dormant uh they were sleeping and hibernating of flowers and now they are awake during this uh, very beautiful summer months and this is where we are and then uh we have the following factions as well we've talked about these guys uh, multiple times so i'll just rip through them we have the dragon trainers the hunters the rangers and the knights and story reason why they're all there and why they're all fashion is for the protection of evermore they uh see a lot of saw a lot of crazy stuff happen in lore and in aurora and these Factions have sprouted in protection of Evermore. And uh, so so that was kind of like the first major thing that happened is we've got some new characters, we've got some new factions, and now we're going to start getting into some of the stories. So again, this is another spoiler warning just in case you don't want to hear these and experience these organically or, or get caught up, then go ahead and listen. So first thing, first things first, we enter the scene. 
enter the scene with us. Just come on in. Just, just can you imagine it? Oh, I'm skipping. Just you you were skipping through the portal. Oh, I thought you were saying you were skipping this part of the audio. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, okay. like I'm, I'm skipping this. I'm not participating. <laughs> uh, skip, uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Skip, skipping through the portal. Sorry, Come sorry on, to guys. ruin the mood. Please, please continue. Oh yes. Um, just listen. Listen. Just listen for a moment as we tell the story of Mythos. We begin as we skip along. We learn that Kaderin, as we've talked about, is now in Evermore, and he has regained his human form. And through the interactions we also learned that he has not necessarily been the most honest to the fairies what do you mean is he lying well in his mind he wanted to protect the fairies and not let them in on how sick he really was during lore and so he told the fairies that he wasn't gone as long as he really was and that he downplayed the sickness of lore yeah, very much so in specific to that, because as as we've talked about before, and as you can probably see on their website or on our Instagram, Kaderin was a huge kind of creepy monster, and he just didn't really want any of the fairies to, to see him like that. And so when people asked like where he'd been, why he left, what was he doing, he just kind of kept deflecting towards the fairies, not in regards to like world walkers. He would tell us what's going on, and he's like, hey, like, can you help me out? I don't... I don't want the fairies to know that we like to know that I was a big scary monster, basically. Well, and um, not only that, but mythos time in mythos is a little bit different than time in Evermore, right? And so while he didn't necessarily did he omit time with the fairies, like did he specifically lie to them, or was he like telling his truth, like he was there? for that period of time, but because it was different in Mythos. As we've explained before, time in Evermore is really wibbly-wobbly, wibbly-wobbly, and timey-wimey, and all sorts of just... Wonky. Wonky. So who actually knows? Um, We know that he was sick for quite some time, and then when the portal to Mythos opened again, they said they were saying, he's been lying to us. He said that he's only been here for a couple years, and back in Mythos, it's been about, I want to say it was about 100 seasons or something like that. I something can't remember like that. the specific number, but um, a, really a long time. And so there was definitely some truth hiding there. Yeah, and I think what was interesting is the effect that it had on the park because once uh, once Kadaren's secret was exposed to the fairies because of the acting troupe, uh, the acting troupe goes around and they talk about past seasons. They performed the story of lore where Kadaren was sick for, for a while in front of all the fairies. And so Kadaren's secret was exposed to the fairies and they broke off from him. Some of them did, yeah. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a schism. They were just basically like, we want nothing to do with you, Kadarin. You lied to us. We're out of here. I think kind of, and, and specifically, the fairy that was kind of leading the charge on that was really Briar, um, the cleverest fairy. Uh, she she felt really betrayed, as well as like Knackle and, um, you know, some of the other fairies as well. So they kind of broke off and, and decided, hey, we're not really going to listen to Kadarin right now. Yeah, the other side with Amilda and Goldie and Windy Dash, like they... 
because Amilda was there during lore, she kind of knew what Kadarin was going through and kind of understood why he would withhold that information from the other fairies. Like he didn't want them to see or feel what Amilda had to go through with that because she was pretty bent out of shape during lore. She was one of the ones that was like on the ground crying, saying, no, Kadarin, come back. And that's that's been something great as we've seen this is the third season and this is now we're connecting, kind of going back to some of the things, the effects of lore. Some of those actors are actually re-portraying their, their or retaking on their characters and it's great to see that. Um, so to have Imelda there and to be able to speak with that experience has been great. And also, but like, so what? So what about the fairies? Why Why is that so important? Why do we start there? I mean, I think that just kind of fits in a little bit chronologically. That's kind of what we understood to be going on, other than like, you know, the factions were wandering around saying like, hey, who who's in charge of Evermore? Like, who, who, who should be in charge of this place? And I also think kind of what arose out of that was actually the... A, a mayoral election decided to come in and take place here um, in regards to like people being nominated to say, hey, let's put someone in charge of Evermore. And so a bunch of people started vying for uh, nominations to become mayor of Evermore. I was actually talking to Ozymandias about this and um, he was brought into town. So he's the uh, the inspector, previously constable. Um, but he was brought into town in order to establish government. So that was kind of one of his first acts of business within the town was first kind of um, see what the town needed, but then also to establish a government. So I think that's why the mayoral election is into play this season. That's a really good point. Um, and, and so this kind of started taking place. And then, and then as, as the mayoral, mayoral election is, is going along, the fairies are having a kind of a, a spat. I think where, for me, I started getting really engaged in the story this season is when we discovered what everyone or a lot of people in Evermore are calling a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, and this concept was kind of introduced to those those super sleuths, the people who are really, really, really good at the ciphers back in Aurora. Yeah. Uh, if you were really, really good, you could get a phone number and get a call from Robert, who was Wickham's assistant back in the day. I think his name was Robert. You would place the phone call and the voicemail message would be one, would be the voice of Robert. Yes. Yeah. And he would say something to the effect of, beware a traitor and evermore there's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And uh, we had this idea in our minds when we were walking into the park for Mythos, but it really started getting pronounced as the mayoral election was starting to happen and the the f- kind of fairy schism started to happen. We started to see there might be a traitor in our midst, right? Yeah, not only that, but even Jardani was walking around and saying, like giving some readings to some of the characters saying, hey, there's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Someone's going to betray you. And and so we just, we obviously want to figure out who, like who who is wanting to betray everyone. Yeah, we actually discovered that with like, um, Princess Cairo was running around pretty frantic and she periodically would run near Jardani and say, I don't like you. And so we asked about that and found out about the reading that he had given to Kadarin, that there was a wolf sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing amongst us. This one is interesting because as we kind of have talked about it, like a wolf in sheep's clothing and, and then also to come about this at uh, this time of transition of power from not having a government to someone actually leading and taking charge of Evermore. 
I, I find that so interesting, especially where Evermore lies. It is at the center. It is the the way station between worlds, right? It is really the only place that that we know of in this lore, in this canon of having multiple portals open up into different worlds. So we were thinking if someone wanted to take control of Evermore, what a strategic place that would be to then have it and take over other worlds from there. We got a little, as as we were talking during Aurora and thinking about things, we kind of saw that a little bit happen in their past with King Eirik. And so now this was, maybe this is another chance for that to happen. Yeah, and this one is is very much a subtle kind of takeover. Whoever this wolf in sheep's clothing obviously doesn't want to be found out, doesn't want to be known, but is still trying to seek a position of power. Uh, and and I think in this regard, we we started investigating a lot of people and, and discovering like, hey, who who do we want to be mayor of Evermore? Do we trust anyone? Do we trust anyone to be? the mayor of Evermore and who would we nominate? Do we trust the law? Do we even trust Ozymandias? Who 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 can we trust? Who can we really sit down and who can we say they're going to be best and they're going to do their best at protecting Evermore rather than trying to use it for their own agenda or their own gain? And we've been finding a lot of interesting information around this time. And and I would even say that even continuing on, this this event of the Wolf in Sheep's Clothing is still happening. Like it's still going on. We don't we don't know who it is, but when it was kind of first being introduced and and being kind of brought out, like hey, there is a traitor amongst us, uh, we found out some really interesting information. Uh, one of them being that Jardani himself is not all that he's cracked up to be. He he is uh, one of the kind of eternal beings at at Evermore. He's just really old. When I say eternal, I mean just really really old. But he's a he's old because he's a body snatcher. He uh he steals the bodies of people and then lives lives through their body and then moves to another body and lives through that and lives to, goes through another body, and that was a very interesting piece of information that we never really knew before and it kind of threw some doubt on Jardani because we're like uh who is this guy now I thought we knew this guy but who is he now Yeah I I can definitely agree with that because when he spoke to us about that he was like yeah like I basically made a deal with the fates to give up my soul, the soul of my heart and the soul of my body so that the soul of my mind could travel from body to body. And and he even admitted that in the very beginning when he did this, he didn't care. He he would just take over whoever because he wanted to live. But as time went on, he eventually started to take over the minds of criminals and people that he deemed to be evil. And so, like, he admits that he has kind of a shady past, and, and that's something that I've enjoyed at Evermore as well, is that a lot of characters, no one, just as with normal people, no one is inherently good and no one is inherently evil. So that's something for you to decide. Do we trust, like, do you trust the readings of Jardani to say that there is a wolf in sheep's clothing, or do you not, because he is a body snatcher, and maybe you don't agree with his moral ethics, so... I don't know. Just an interesting thought. Like, do we do we trust our Jardani? Do we trust that he's being truthful? Do we trust that he can he can do these things? And that's kind of what we were trying to parse here. Is like now that we've discovered this about you, do we do we move forward and believe that there's a wolf in sheep's clothing? Is that wolf in sheep's clothing Jardani? Like, is that him? But yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, I think I trust Jardani. I know I trust Jardani. His readings have been pretty accurate. If I say so myself. 
Yeah. That's fair. I need a little more evidence, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the very nature of Jardani, as we just spoke about, was that he is stealing the bodies of other people and, and really, or rather living in them and with them. And actually in this moment that we were discovering this, he told us of, of the actual body that he was inhabiting. This person's name was not Giordani. It was Dimitri. And Dimitri had been a criminal, a lowlife, and all sorts of everything. Um, that he was a vile man. And, and so Giordani took control of the body and had been basically keeping Dimitri down. He was always in there. But he was always very subdued, very, very uh, almost asleep, kind of. Um, and in this moment, we we also learned from Giordani that in between the the time of Aurora and Mythos, Giordani actually went on a journey. If you remember, we mentioned a little bit about Sparky and the portal that this campfire opened. Sparky was a a fire demon or a fire a spirit that that opened portals, and this Sparky took. Giordani into a realm between realms, a nexus, if you will. It, it, it was like it, it, it's an interesting place that they describe um, uh, this this place being the realm between realms, a nexus, or, or whatever have you you want to call it. But it, it he talks about how when he was there, he was being torn apart and being put back together by whom he does not know uh, about whether or not. Like, hey, was this the fates? Was this Sparky? Was this some other sort of entity? Was it something similar in regards to like something as evil as the lore infestation? But uh, so this this kind of just was pretty traumatizing to hear about Giordani. And then he was actually brought back. He, he managed to return. And then that's why he was now back in Evermore. Uh, after what he says feels like years upon years. Well, for us, it's only just been a couple of months. And in this moment of great confusion, of, of great turmoil, Giordani starts acting kind of strange and starts sometimes speaking a little bit off how he normally is, kind of starts acting a little bit differently. And while all of this is happening, a another threat comes from another side. That threat is seen in a magical fire of sorts. Potentially, we don't we don't actually have the resolution to this either. But basically what happens is Lady Violet's barn gets caught on fire and is burned to the ground. So and that's that starts a whole investigation. Yeah. And speaking of investigation, it is a really fascinating investigation because the different factions who are in town who claim to be protecting Evermore or trying their very best have different sides of the story to the barn fire. It is the most interesting thing to try and investigate and gather all of the clues and start making deductions because not all of them match up, right? Some of the some of the factions seem to contradict each other or supplement each other, and you're kind of like, well, are they working together? Are they working apart? Who has the most accurate information? Uh, what really happened? Is this is this a fluke accident or is this foul play? It, it was this was this something that someone caused on purpose for a reason was was there something at the barn or or with the barn that was valuable or important yeah that's actually been one of my favorite parts about this season of mythos is that because of this particular scenario it's it goes back to what you guys have always been saying that 
every character has something with the story, whether it's their backstory or whether they end up being the key player, right? We don't we don't necessarily know, but with this particular story and this investigation, it's pretty much imperative that you speak to every person, every character within the park to discover what they know about the fire and and to actually even continue to ask them. Like maybe they didn't fully remember before or something like that. Yeah, and there's there's constantly going along with that. There's there's new information that's being released about the barn that 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 hasn't been dealt with either. So we still have like the traitor and we still have the this investigation of the barn fire going on. So we we're kind of like maybe these two are connected. Maybe maybe the traitor or the the wolf in sheep's clothing in a way started this bonfire as some sort of power play uh but who knows right yeah and this is something that i actually find that's like interesting because it's like you look at some of the evidences and and you can kind of find that out for yourself Uh, i chandler i think kind of says maybe a potentially magical fire um because there was like chalk found and like stones with runes on them and and like small little animal bones that potentially are like components in a magical spell where like different factions are finding different tracks of things that were there um it, it really is just kind of up up in up in arms about what is this are these are these incidences related or are they just coincidentally connected and trying to parse through the information of what's going on is has definitely been that something pretty fun uh like everything kind of for me now that I'm really thinking about it kind of feels like a police investigation that we're we're getting to do and trying to deduce and be detectives for which is which is a new thing I think for the mythos season is that like hey you're the detective figure it out except Ozzy your lead detective your chief detective won't share anything with you for some reason I mean it's an ongoing investigation and if you discuss like your stuff with him he'll talk to you about it but yeah I mean he he told us that like he wants to test our deductive reasoning skills before he would share anything with us. Baloney. <laughs> Baloney. He just won't tell us. He won't give us his thoughts or his notes or anything. I mean, that's why I questioned his, his actual um, ability to be an inspector, right? Like, that's why I was like, what are your credentials, sir? He didn't like that much. Don't question Ozzy. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work out well. <laughs> you got a ticket for that. <laughs> No, I got a ticket for obstruction of justice. Ah, the truth comes out. But I had a dear, kind friend that paid that for me. It was Chandler. Chandler paid for it. Chandler paid it. Chandler paid the fine. I didn't want her to go to jail. (laughs) He also wanted to join the dragon trainers. (laughs) Or was it the rangers? I had to do a very nice deed, and that was my nice deed. You're welcome, Lisa. You used me for your training. So, so while the fire happened and we're investigating and we're talking and we're trying to find perhaps the culprit to foul play, as we're talking and investigating, we're noticing that Giordani is acting stranger and stranger. His, uh, his accent seems to slip and his mannerisms seem more harsh and, and uh, a little more stressed. Like there's things about him that don't feel like Giordani. Um, and we come to find out that Giordani is actually being overtaken by Dimitri, by the original host body. Yeah, it, it seems as if something that happened to him, that that thing that happened to him in the realm between realms, the Nexus, uh, is has ripped him apart and, and kind of 
maybe allowed Dimitri to escape a little bit and gain some power over Giordani. And so, yeah, we do start seeing Dimitri. We actually, we end up meeting full-on Dimitri, where he's like, yes, I've come to power. My name is Dimitri, and I will send out little birds, and that's my horrible Giordani, or <laughs> Dimitri impression. <laughs> But he loved it. But he's so clever. Even right there, Skylar, you're like, you're little my Giordani. No, Dimitri, he was so clever. Dimitri yeah. was so clever because he would he would almost exactly impersonate Giordani sometimes. Well, and this was really cool because as I was talking about earlier, the characters have taken this whole thing to a new level. This is the same character or rather the same actor playing two characters at the same time and as you are talking to him you don't know because this per- this actor is so skilled you don't know which of the two you're talking to like we said dimitri started impersonating giordani mm-hmm. and you had to really listen and pay attention and sometimes you would get dimitri and sometimes you would get giordani and maybe one person would know what was going on or Maybe the other was had felt like they were, had woken up from from a dream, um, but this was such an amazing skill that the actors have to bring this character to life and and to bring the story right. So we had the barn fire, the Giordani incident. Giordani is acting very strange. The, the mayoral election not. is still happening. Yeah, the the wolf in sheep's clothing is still out there. And, and this is interesting. For the first time, we've had storylines that aren't getting resolved but more is getting added on mm-hmm. um and you are able to investigate as skylar said everything right you dig into everything this is this has been my favorite thing is just being able to dig into this all and and really be able to interact with dimitri and the others and this kind of culminates with with at least dimitri facing off with his really good friend suds in the tavern Oh yeah, this this was palpable. I actually wasn't close enough to hear anything, but the feeling in the air between these two these two characters in the tableau was just like hot and intense. They they were yelling at each other in some moments, and it was palpable in the room. It was it was so silent, right? It was it was just a charged electric feeling. Yeah, um, one of the things that we found out during that initial tableau, basically, when Dimitri comes around and confronts Suds in the tavern and says, hey, I'm taking this body. Like, I'm taking my body back. Giordani's going to be punished for it. And if you'd like, I guess I'll let you say goodbye. Oh, my gosh. That was so emotional. Like, that whole scene. Um, Because Suds was crying Dimitri was just manipulating the whole thing, but and then when he let Giordani come through a little bit and Giordani appeared and he was just so just he was almost sobbing and he was so apologetic to Suds and it was so just super emotional. And and something even interesting that came out of that is is being said in Giordani's final moments when he's like saying goodbye to Suds is, hey, I, I have to apologize. I have to let you know. The whole reason I've been trying to make reparations this whole time is that I'm the one that told Clara to go into the portal of lore. Yeah. Yeah, that was a like, bombshell. That was a bombshell. Like, who, like, what, like, 
uh, like, okay, I get it. Like, you want to protect Evermore. But then at the same time, like, is this Giardani or is this Dimitri again manipulating things? There's such an air of, of like, mystery and and speculation and and reasons to doubt. But also, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and maybe going back just to give a little context, Clara was Suds's fiance back in Lore, who got stuck in Lore Portal, and the portal closed on her, mm-hmm. and we lost her. Yeah, if you go back and listen to to our old or our old episodes discussing Lore, specifically uh, Darkness Encroaches, you will you you can hear more about that. And and again, that's just just Evermore being smart and connecting storylines across seasons. Yeah, right. The you it. Clara was such a beautiful, wonderful character, so fun, so happy. Her her engagement with, with Suds was such a beautiful thing. And it was a thing that was brought on by world walkers themselves. So to find out that Jardani was the one who essentially pushed her through and essentially killed her, it was terrible. It was so sad for, for Suds and for all of us. Well, and we we knew that it was Jardani saying that and not just Dimitri um not just Dimitri manipulating the situation because when he was telling us about the body snatching, he, before he started talking about that, he actually told us that he has been in Evermore a lot longer than he had been anywhere else and in any other body because he feels so drawn to protect this particular town and he feels so drawn. The fates are, are, are leaving him there because he is so needed and he has been spending a lot of time in the tavern specifically because of his friendship, his connection with Suds. And so finding that out was really heartbreaking that he was the one that convinced Clara to stay in the portal of lore. That was very heartbreaking because what are you, what are you doing, man? Like if you're protecting Suds, if you're like really good friends with him, why are you doing this? Why are you sending his fiance into this this? evil portal right i mean yeah she was infected so i i can see his reasoning of hey you're you're infected you've you've got to go like if you stay you're just going to infect suds because suds will love you anyway um and and so i i can see kind of the reasoning behind it but yeah it, it was intense like i still i still kind of get a little little heavy about it oh yeah yeah and at some level, I wonder if Dimitri is trying to do this. Um, we actually learn that night, we actually learn a little bit of Dimitri's past, that he comes from a line of people that may have some connection to vampires. We haven't learned quite yet, but they, we know they are called vampire. Um, that perhaps he was actually drawing the emotional strength from Suds this whole time while impersonating Giordani, Dimitri has been going around cursing items or leaving them around the park and drawing strength. We know he's trying to overtake Giordani, overtake Evermore in some instances, and actually says quite openly, I can do a much better job leading this town than anyone else, right? So I'm curious if at this moment he really was trying to take all that, that sorrow, that regret, and use that as fuel for himself and for his magic, which, as a result of being with Jardani, he is quite the magical man, along with his blood bloodline of being a vampire. Yeah, and, and I think that that kind of goes back to because because when he was handing out the cursed objects, um, sometimes he gave them to fairies to like Kyra, 
And as we know, and as we understand, fairies are magical creatures. And so having them being divided from Kadaran, being split apart like this, they were easy prey for Dimitri to come in and start giving them cursed objects and letting Dimitri kind of start to glean power from the fairies, which was a very terrifying thing. Um, It's just a little scary. Yeah, and the fact that he went around doing all this stuff kind of comes to a confrontation at a point where basically, I mean, Dimitri's taken over. Like, we don't see Jardani anymore, and it's just Dimitri. So at this point, like, people, other townsfolk start saying, how can we get rid of Dimitri? What what can we do? And this actually results in another scene that happens where um, Suds gets a spirit-killing poison and attempts to kill Dimitri, tries to kill Dimitri and gets Dimitri to drink it and, uh, or rather Jar- like what I presume to be Dimitri pretending to be Jardani and be friends with Suds and then he gets him to drink it. Yeah, this was a little bit confusing to me because it, they do inhabit one body so poisoning one would ultimately kill the other, like there's something there, I, I, I can't really put my finger on it but I think we see that as well as with the town townsfolk. Basically, Jardani is dead from this poison. And if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't affect Dimitri. Is that correct? Like, help me understand. I That's a part that I still don't get. So from my understanding of it is that they were trying to target one spirit in, in particular, that being Dimitri's. But Dimitri had enough control at that point that he could redirect its energies or its powers to go specifically for Jardani to just solidify Dimitri's hold over the body. So good intention turned bad effect. Yes. Ruining their whole plan of of getting rid of Dimitri, Mm -hmm. in essence. At least for this attempt. Right. There was more? I actually never, never got to see that night. Oh, yeah, that's right. You weren't there. I was not. Um, so what ended up happening another one of the nights is that Kadarin puts into plan to try and uh, save Jardani as well. Um, and this and this comes in the form of, of basically like an exorcism of sorts. I don't know what else to call it because they try to suppress Dimitri and like destroy him and let Jardani come back into power. It was a really cool scene. Like you can check it out on the community on the community groups and stuff like that. But it was it was very intense. Basically, a confrontation ends up happening because Kyra, the the princess of the fairies, goes missing, and then we find out later that evening that Dimitri had kidnapped her and taken her as hostage because he felt the tides coming of people trying to stop him once again, which resulted in this confrontation of. Uh, Jasper coming and helping, Faldo coming and helping, Kadarin coming and helping the knights, and and they they manage to uh, get Kyra away from Dimitri, and then they try to subdue Dimitri, and Suds tries to to reason with Dimitri and even and try to withdraw Jardani by invoking emotions and 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 friendship, but it just doesn't seem to really work. And so Kadarin uses his magic upon Dimitri to try and cast him out. And what we feel is the result of that is that Dimitri is gone and that Jardani has control over the body again. Yeah. So, so, so all good. 
I mean, whenever I saw Giordani in the park just recently, he seemed to be just fine. I didn't see any Dimitri. Yeah, Dimitri's gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't think he's gone? No. Well, that's the thing. With with so many things being put out there, there's still tiny evidences of Dimitri. People have had rings from him. People have gotten special readings that basically say to not listen. For example, the fairies, a lot of them have gotten readings to, that say to not trust the kind of standard standard quo, right? To go where no where they haven't gone before and and they thereby being more powerful. So there there's enough there that I'm not quite convinced. And this is again, we're still actively searching this out. Every time we go to Evermore, we're asking more questions, we're looking for more evidence, we're we're still seeing actually, we're still seeing evidence that someone maybe is still working from the shadows. This whole time maybe we thought uh, Dimitri was this wolf in sheep's clothing and and whatnot, but maybe there's someone else working from the shadows. And we saw that this past week on Tuesday, something happened. Well, and also just talking about wolves, it's been brought up a few times by a couple of different characters that wolves travel in packs. Very true. So so even if Dimitri was a part of this, it, it's possible that there's others trying to bring him back. And, and again, one of the reasons why we question whether Dimitri is gone or not is because of the incident that happened on Tuesday that Chandler's mentioning is that um, Professor Edgar Beaumont's house was broken into. And this is significant because um, Gudrun and Professor Beaumont and some of the other townsfolk had recently gotten some more notes from Wickham. Some of his past uh, apprentices have gathered together some notes of Wickham's and brought them to Evermore so that they could be read and deciphered to to figure out instances of how we can control portals better in order to keep lore from returning or or protect us when lore returns, if it does, and, and like to help out Tip Top. But something in particular, and you can go talk to, to Professor Beaumont about this or to Ozymandias, to who is now chief inspector uh he gets a promotion it seems quite frequently chief Um, inspector (laughs) look at you ozzy getting Um, all promoted (laughs) yeah uh he's actually got a pretty cool badge now oh nice yeah um but what what was stolen from from the professor from edgar is that there was a large sum of gold which we know that in the past, that gold is a very powerful magical item that can be used to, I mean, gain increase one's magic abilities. And then the other object that was stolen was some scrolls about blood magic. Blood magic is also, as we have come to find out a little bit, is used to amplify magic as well. And that if you have blood from someone else and use that, that there's a potential that you can take control over someone. Again, bringing us back to the whole fact that is Dimitri gone or has he somehow used this magic to imbue himself into rings and abilities or inside of multiple people, perhaps? Or are there other wolves in sheep's clothing that want Dimitri to come back so they're using this magic to do this stuff? Again, this is all just like currently ongoing stuff that's happening and we don't have the answers. We're still trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. 
And this has been such a treat to revisit some of the lore and some of the old connections to some of the other the other portals and the other seasons. Um, obviously, naturally, I believe this is all coming about because just as when we originally began going to Evermore, that was when Mythos had just closed and lore had just barely opened up. So it's very fresh on people's minds, this this darkness, this this evil thing that has come through. And now we are seeing everything come full circle. Even blood magic was something that was practiced by Wen. And Wen and Wickham were the ones that started this whole process of the portals being open again. So we're just as Wyatt mentioned, we're seeing over and over little throwbacks to to little things here and there. Even characters that we've seen in in the past have now changed and are helping in other ways and have other stories that are still going on but still have callbacks to those past seasons and to their their past histories i think that is intriguing and i love it it is very intriguing and i do love that that fact because they've stated that before on like their website and things like that that each season has its story but all three seasons will have an overarching story as well and so we are definitely seeing that come into play as we kind of remember past things from other seasons and look forward to perhaps some answers that may not come until the lore season. For instance, Dimitri was a vampire. What relation does he have with the vampires that we met during lore? Are they going to make a return and how are they going to feel about that? Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. It is really exciting. But uh, I guess to, to as we kind of get close to the end here, to wrap up, in more succinctly the 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 things that have happened the portal opens fairies have a falling out there's a wolf in sheep's sheep's clothing among us there's a mayoral election going on a barn fire to investigate dimitri taking over jardani's body and then dimitri being supposedly exercised from said body the burglary and then who knows what's next yeah and i think there is a lot to look forward to too We've been getting hints and mentions at a potential character, uh, a queen or a lady or a mayor of sorts that seems to have some sort of authority. Her name is Lady Grey. We've heard a lot about her. She hasn't made her debut. She hasn't really come out in the limelight, but she's been at the park from time to time. She, She has. We actually met her, and what a wonderful experience that was to meet this old family come back. This family that has roots from way back when when the the town of Evermore was first created, and there then again, is she the wolf in in sheep's clothing? Is she someone to trust? I just I I question everyone. I I trust no one anymore. I can't. I can't do it. And and there's even more stuff to look forward to because we know that lore is possibly next season. We've been hearing rumors of the Fae King possibly returning, right? Or, or somebody taking his place as this kind of master of evil, right? So yeah. uh, who knows how this season's going to end? Who's who's going to be that master? If there, if there is going to be one, or if there's going to be multiple masters, maybe it's the this, this pack of wolves coming in. And what happened to Clara? Yeah. If lore opens again, is Clara still there? I, I would love for Clara to make a reappearance, either potentially as someone we don't know, because as we've talked about before, time is, is really wonky. So it could be more, perhaps more sentient, like lore people come through, such as 
uh, uh, necks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such as necks that that in, infected Pasha. Maybe there's more of those coming in, and we can actually talk to more uh, creatures or beings from lore. And, and this so is so interesting. This is, I I think we all have learned from the very beginning, or we've progressed ourselves of how to how to experience the park. And so, what an amazing thing it would be to to get all this information and to see it all the way through to lore and to be able to investigate further, right? But who knows? Because there's so much going on during Mythos. Why are the Elven Rangers there? Where are the Elven Matriarchs? What are they protecting? What are the Knights of Evermore protecting against? And what's their agenda? Because they are from Mythos, right? right. They they aren't local, right? And and the Blackhearts with a very intriguing and interesting connection to some of the Brotherhood of or the Acolytes of Saint Michael. It's just interesting. Yeah. Is Dimitri creating Horcruxes? Mm. Very, yeah. very interesting, and I and I also think that's something that's really interesting that we we didn't quite touch upon really during this episode is that dragons have returned. There's actually a dragon in the mausoleum, and and that that knowledge is rather rather ubiquitously known. So you can go ask any of the factions, anyone about it, like how how dragons come into play of this, and and some people are against them, some people want to defend, some people want to attack. And even there is more mystery. The dragon trainers this whole time have been saying that dragons were wiped out by Mythosians. We've recently discovered that that's not the case. That perhaps they were hidden in this realm between realms. And so there's so much packed into this Mythos season, into this story, that you can find out. You can ask anyone these questions and dig deeper. And there's so much there. And we've really enjoyed that. And I think that's why we wanted to create the episode, this episode in particular, for a reason, right? There's probably, is only like a month and a half left until Mythos is destined to close. Uh, or at least like, they're scheduled to close. Who knows if yeah. they add an extra week? Who knows if they add an extra two weeks? That'd be awesome. Right, we'd love that. We'd yeah. love that for us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think we're going to complain about having more Evermore. Oh, no, we have um, to go to Evermore more? Uh, darn. No, not darn. You're going to suck it up and we're going to go. <laughs> um, but I think the the thing that we want to get across is we've, we've last episode, we kind of told you, hey, this is kind of how to Evermore. There's stuff to be had. And then this, ever, this episode is, this is the stuff that we learned and this is the story so far. There's stuff to be had here, and there is a reason to come on down and experience this park and have the joy that we're having as well. Uh, absolutely, and we're only touching upon like the big stuff that is like out there that everyone can get to know. There is so much more information to be gleaned. There is so much more to investigate, and it's kind of impossible to kind of get a hold of it all, and so these are just the big touching points there. Well, and some of this stuff, like, um, for example, like, Dimitri and Giardani, you may not have even noticed that Giardani and Dimitri were switching in and out if you hadn't already built a relationship with Giardani, yeah. hadn't already spoken with him to know what his mannerisms are. There are things that can be said to going to the park so many times. And conversely, excellent point, Lisa. It really is a spectacle and a, an amazing thing that you can never go too many times. But conversely, you're not left out. 
if you aren't able to go. No, definitely not. Right. You, you're able to see all this and, and pick it up quite nicely. I have recently met a, a girl our age who has only gone a couple times and she is right there with us. So this does not take any certain amount of skill or, or a lot of times to go. All you need to do, and I think we've said this more multiple times, the more you're able to put in, the more you're going to get out. And, and that can be done in one, two times, whatever it may be. There was a person at the park, similar to the one that you're kind of talking about, who only came once or twice. And, and we met this person. They, they listened to the podcast. We love them so much. They came up to us and started talking to us about what they learned. And they had learned everything that we had learned. They, they didn't miss out. And we had been going so many times. But they only went once. Right. But they got all the same information that we got. So it's just a testament of like, you, all you got to do is come. And all you got to do is get invested, get in there and dig deep and just get really into it. And, and a lot of what this person found out was actually through a, a roguelike gameplay, which is a style of gameplay that I really appreciate that you brought up. And I'd want to make a clarification on that, Wyatt, is that um, you can find out a lot just by going and playing the way that you want to play. This person just went and and had some of that social anxieties and didn't, doesn't necessarily like talking to people one-on-one directly. And, and I understand that. I totally get that. As such, they were able to play a rogue character where they overheard things, some secret things that people weren't able to hear. And so in regards to like etiquette, that's totally chill. You're playing a roguelike, roguelike person. You're, you're getting in on those secrets by overhearing other people's stuff. In regards to the etiquette, I just say, don't just like walk straight up to the character or walk straight into someone's group, basically. Right. I think the important thing there to clarify is if you are going to be a roguelike character, stand aloof, right? You, your goal is to not be seen or heard while still collecting the information. If people do that, I have no problem with them learning our information. That's because I don't know that they're there. That's the whole point of being a rogue. You don't want to be seen or heard. And this person did it fantastically. And kudos to them. And I think that's probably just going to wrap it up for us. Uh, Enjoy Evermore the way that you enjoy Evermore. But just get stuck in. Get invested. Start putting in the effort and the time. and And we promise and we know from experience that like you get what you get in. Right? We love that. Uh, we just want to do a, a serious thank you to all of our, all of you guys, all of you for listening to us, uh, for all of the feedback, uh, for just listening. It, it really does help us out, and we couldn't be more thankful. Yeah, definitely. We like really, really putting that out there. I want to hit that again. Thank you so much for sharing our podcast, for listening to our podcast. We appreciate it so much. Once again, we always want to to invite you to follow the park at evermore.com and on Instagram with their handle at evermore park. Also follow us at world talkers um, on Facebook and Instagram. See those awesome photos that we post and wonderful little tidbits that we have here and there for you guys. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lisa, for always being willing to take those photos for us. Well, thanks for being such amazing subjects. Um, you can definitely call in at 801-332-9321. And leave us a Evermore experience that we can share right here on the podcast. 
And also, as always, if you aren't feeling as quite talkative, you're welcome to email us at worldtalkers.podcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us share the news and also share this awesome experience with those in your life. We are really happy to see people around the park that are listening to us and experiencing the park in the way that they want to. Thank you for that once again. And now that you're caught up and now that you know just about as much as we do, we can't wait to hang out with you and see you beyond, beyond the, the portal. portal.